It's New Hampshire headlines on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten, nhtalkradio.com. To get this episode on demand, as well as all of our back catalog of episodes, speak to the reporters over at the New Hampshire Bulletin, Jeff Feingold over at the New Hampshire Business Review, and occasionally throw in some other reporters now and then. Excited to be joined this week by senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. So should we start off by by uh, guilting uh, Amanda Gokey for moving on to other pastures? I won't say greener pastures, of course not, but maybe we'll get her back on the show in the future, but unfortunately not with the, with the uh, bulletin. Oh, that's a good idea. If I didn't like her so much, she might be dead to me. <laughs> I like her too much. So I, making myself only wish her well. But sad. It's a big loss to us, for sure. Yeah, she's great. I'm, I'm, I'm already trying to guilt her to come on. She's going to be moving over to the Globe. So best of luck to her and her yeah. future endeavors in southern New Hampshire working for, for that outlet. But yes. let's start off with what you've been reporting on. You've you've been busy all week doing all sorts of sort of reportery, not really reportery stuff, but you, you've got a whole bunch of things in the works. But uh, I want to start off with a little bit. Uh, this is broadcasting for First Broadcast Friday morning, and I'll get it on demand quick. But um, enrollment ends soon for, for open yes. enrollment, January 15th. You want to touch on that for a minute? Sure. Um, the marketplace, Obama... Uh, Affordable Care Act, uh, Federal Marketplace offers free, greatly reduced cost health coverage um, plans. And so that opened in November, it closes Sunday. And because so many more people are eligible and subsidies have gotten bigger, um, there was expected to be a increase in number of people who are applying, especially for the first time. Um, so I think those numbers are up a bit. We still don't have everything, but I looked at those today and I think I saw about five, 6% increase in the number of people enrolling in plans. So there's two free navigators. Um, if you went to the insurance department website, you would find those who offer you know, free help to analyze the plans and roll on them because it is confusing. Um, and then again, your website, I think is good. And um, nhez.com, which is the state's portal, is also helpful. So time is ticking. Yes, definitely. Uh, full disclosure, my day job is with the New Hampshire Insurance Department, but be sure to check out nh.gov slash insurance. There's, everything's linked there. And uh, NHEZ, if you go searching for that, has has links to all these sorts of things also. Mm -hmm. So yeah. be sure to check that out. Time's running out because you need to have a major life event if you want to get enrolled after that. And people don't necessarily realize that till it's too late. Right. Do not tarry. Yeah, that's right. So let's move. I actually want to do, we didn't talk about this in the prep, but a follow-up. We talked about a uh, possible law about right to know where they were going to propose charging for it and things. And it looks like the lawmakers withdrawn. Yay. Um, I was talking to him, uh, Representative, Representative Cahill from Newmarket. You know, the reasons behind this law made complete sense. People were filing massive right to know request as sort of harassments, not picking up their documents. Um, but on the other end, most of these are sort of legitimate, very narrow for public document, like intentional um, real uses for news reporting or for the public. So he had proposed a $15 an hour charge to look for, produce, redact 
these documents, that would run anyone into hundreds of dollars. And so I did write about it. After he read the story, he was really struck by how broad a group of organizations oppose this. Like He, he upset people on both sides of the aisle big time with this. It was shocking how quickly and like even the Republicans were like, no, 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 hold on. Right, right. I, you know, I called some organizations I thought might have an interest in, you know, from Americans for Prosperity, which is a sort of conservative, libertarian minded group, all the way to the ACLU, the Press Association, of course, all opposed it. Um, and so he withdrew the rep realized talking to colleagues that what he said was they don't want the ACLU and American for Prosperity on their ba- on the bad side of them. So he just pulled it. He's going to see what happens with a new right to know ombudsman this year. And then if needed, we'll bring it back next year. So gone for now. Yeah, hopefully it stays away. I mean, the, the last time AFP and the ACLU got together was to knock back bail reform, and it's been fairly successful. I mean, th- those two are forced together to, to be aware of if you're a lawmaker. I think it was actually a nice example of what I do see quite often is lawmakers file a bill because they're aware of a problem. That problem really does exist. It's well intended. And then they get more information and they're like, oh, well, maybe we should reconsider this or tweak it um, or put it off for a year. And that's what happened here. Um, And that happens quite a bit. I really encourage people all the time to, you know, let them know how you're feeling send them an email, give them a call, show up and testify, because it really does make a difference. If you're like a regular person versus a lobbyist, they do, their ears sort of perk up when they see a real person there. So um, definitely, definitely advocate for yourself. Yeah, it's kind of, it's it's really interesting. I don't know if this has just been the way it's always been or not, or we got a little more activist crew on both sides of the aisle that are now over at the Statehouse, but it seems like there's a lot more of uh, just throwing something out there and say, seeing what happens or outright trolling and trying to just spark a debate on a situation. Is, is that basically always been the case in your opinion at the Statehouse? I don't know about the trolling. I will say a lot of legislation seems to be generated by something happening to one or two people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a case now where a, a law, a bill, sorry, that would require that vaccination clinics in public schools, you know, for the routine vaccinations, flu and um, COVID was an option for a while. Right now, you, they were doing those at schools if a parent gave a child permission. Uh, two children in the state came home after getting the flu vaccination and their parents didn't hadn't given permission it was sort of a a glitch nothing happened to them medically but the lawmaker has brought a bill forward to prohibit school hour clinics to only allow them to be held after school presumably when a parent would have to bring them to the school so that's two people generating a bill and that's not uncommon you know i saw a bill once that proposed to disallow state employees from wearing perfume because someone in a Hampton state office was getting headaches. So 
These yeah. things happen. In, in both sides of the aisle, I don't care what party you're on, does this. I think the Republicans do a better job of weaponizing it against the, the Democrats when it, the Democrats do their little activism thing that bothers the, the, the Republicans. But both sides, I mean, the whole the whole COVID vaccine situation is total uh, example of, of the stereotypical example of, of like a few people are bothered. Often there's already laws on the books is as a conservative our being very straightforward you, you as conservatives you're supposed to want as few laws on the books as humanly possible and then they turn around and do this too i'm like it's just politics it's just a game of politics in some cases yes but also i think be, the idea that we do have 400 lawmakers means that each one is supposed to represent like 12 people exactly it's not that many people they represent and so maybe that's working if they're all bringing legislation forward based on their constituents' concerns. I think there's over a thousand bills currently, and a lot of those will, will will go away or they'll sort of form the decision on another bill. So I try to look at it like, well, pe- people really do have access to their lawmaker here because um, we have 400 lawmakers in the House and nearly a thousand bills. So lots of access. Yeah. And you're running for office because most likely there's a reason, especially at the state at a state level office, you're running for a reason. There's some pet project or something's got stuck in your craw or um, and where that's why you went through this because they're, they're volunteers. Essentially, they, they don't get really paid much anything to be over there. No, they get one hundred dollars a year and some mileage money. Um, Josh Rogers at NHPR has covered the state house forever. And he noticed a shift that, you know, in the old days, people became state reps after serving on local boards, you know, mm-hmm. selectmen planning board. And so they had a real grounding in how local, local government works. And increasingly people have been brought in who have an issue that has driven that. And they're not coming from that background. And I think those are two different kinds of governing, you know, especially when we were remote for a year, it was kind of like legislating over Zoom and then Twitter. I mean, with no face-to-face, we know what happens when you're not talking face-to-face. Does not go good place. You got to do something to stand out, and if you if you don't do that thing to stand out, you're you're never going to get enough uh, people paying attention to you on the social media platforms to really get get noticed. Especially once again, there's so many people at, at over at the state house when they're in session. So I I know. Will we see something different this year? I don't know. Also, we have like four person difference in party. You know, it's it's so so close. Um, average attendance for a lawmaker is eighty percent. So people. A lot of people will be absent a lot of the time. Um, So how will they be heard when every vote really is going to count and attendance is going to drive so many decisions? So, you know, will we see the bipartisanship that's been um, promised or will it go in another direction Um, because there is a desire to like be heard over all these other 400 people that are bringing forward legislation? Are are you seeing a bit of burnout in certain topics, especially as we get past a majority of the the, the COVID situation? And it, at least when I'm 
I knock on wood, hoping that seeing less of the CRT debate uh, kind of eating up all the airwaves. Are you seeing a big shift in trends and what people are bringing up, or is it still just a total mixed bag of everything? I think it's a mixed bag, and it's early days. You know, there was a bill to, heard today to repeal the so-called divisive concepts um, legislation. It was held in Reps Hall, which is the biggest room in the House, knowing that it would draw a lot of people. So that's going to be up. You know, that's going to be a big topic this year. Education, freedom accounts. You know, we're in a budget year. So and we saw last time the budget became a Christmas tree bill with an abortion ban and this and divisive concepts. And so even though it's a budget year, I think all of these other issues will come into play. And we still see some um, COVID related bills in terms of trying to roll back some of DHHS's authority vaccination clinics. Um, there's a lot on climate this year, so that'll be interesting. And I think we can expect, I mean, I don't know, but if the work so well last year to carry difficult things through um, in a budget, like an abortion ban, won't, why wouldn't they try that again this year? So I think we'll see some of the debates, you know, abortion is back. Um, that's a big one. So I think it won't it will be sort of like, oh, this is a little bit of deja vu this year. Yeah, I'm talking to uh, to Representative Keith Amoen tomorrow uh, afternoon, mm -hmm. which actually would be this evening if you're listening to the broadcast of it, to be more specific, Friday um, about this. I mean, it, my concern here hearing this, especially around the, the budget and your, your, what you're observing is be careful what you set a pattern for because guess what the democrats will one day get back in office and they're going to use it i mean the big example on the national stage with that was um was trump with all his judges like he got every judge he possibly could imagine got mm -hmm. in because he had the majority over in congress and then him getting all his conservative judges and that is because of what the Democrats did to make the Affordable Care Act go through or under Obama. Like you may not think because there's multiple years between these that if you're just a passive observer, but if you set a new standard, it gets utilized. And I'm glad you're talking with Representative Ammon because he represents a part of the Republican Party. You know, as we've seen nationally, the Republican Party are is Republican parties. Um, and he represents a voice that so far, he's not been willing to talk to the bulletin, um, but I'm glad he's talking with you. My concern is that people will just speak to certain outlets, yeah. um, which is really too bad for the debate. It's it's unfortunate, um, but he represents a sort of a liberty minded um, point of view. And so I think they'll have quite a bit of influence as they did last year. And so it'd be helpful for the public to know their priorities, their concerns. So I'll tune in so I can find out. So, so the, this episode's turned to me just picking your brain as someone who's, who's over at the State House every day. But uh, another trend is that I'm seeing is with the free staters where I, I hear a considerable amount of finger pointing from Democrats saying, look at all these free staters doing things. The free staters are over there doing their thing, but it seems like within the state house they don't necessarily brand themselves that way, which gets very confusing with the fact that the, the native – very libertarian crew that the state already had well before the free staters ever consider coming here uh, are, are still floating around. And then you have the free staters that, that have been here for, what has it been like, uh, 
14 years at something yeah. like that at this yeah. point they've been here forever so now you can't even tell who's who at this point i mean are are the are you seeing the free staters kind of that are in office kind of keeping quiet with the fact that that's how they got here it's hard to tell um a lot of them aren't holding themselves up like i'm a free stater yeah like i am here and i was drawn here by your liberty minded right to revolution so here i am and I have every right as anyone else to say my views and I represent a population. So I sort of wish they would identify themselves a little bit more because they do represent a certain part of the state that's growing. Um, you know, you can't pick and choose who's worth listening to, but they are a little hard. I don't, I couldn't tell you. I know one, uh, for example, but he did not win his primary. Um, he was sort of the real old fashioned uh, libertarian. So I think we'll, we'll have to see. So we have the free, the free staters. We have the freedom caucus. We have some liberty people. It's unclear to me where there's overlap and where there's not. And I think there's going to be a divide in the Democratic caucus too. You have sort of the younger people who are coming in and maybe have a more progressive view. You have the, you know, people who've been there forever and maybe we'll say, we'll have to give this up to compromise to get that. So, and there's again, 400 people. So try to keep them all looking in the same direction. It's going to be difficult and interesting. Yeah, It's very interesting. I mean, I mean, the, uh, another, like stereotypical example of the situation where across the aisle where there's this just chaos is the marijuana debate which once again is being brought up as is brought up every year but, mm-hmm. but you have the the older democrats and more traditional old school conservatives and corporate conservatives like sununu are like, no, we're not doing this still. And as 15 million libertarians on both sides of the aisle are going like, why aren't we, why isn't this done this year? Like it, once again, AFP and ACLU, and we still can't make it happen. Right, right. Um, it's interesting that it does come up. I guess, you know, you just have to keep trying. I think it'll pass the House. Maybe it passes the Senate. But I was asked today on a panel if it would get through And it's interesting, I think yesterday the governor sent out a press release that said, no safe choice. There's no drug, there's no drug that you can take that is safe. You know, any drug is a gateway. So that's- Except for our multi-billion dollar liquor operation the state has. (laughs) (laughs) That's different. Um, So I don't, is that just a brick wall to the marijuana legislation? Or does it get tucked into the budget and get through somehow that way? Um, it'll be interesting. I'm glad I'm not covering that. Ethan is. Uh, so I will leave that to him. I'll like to watch from the sidelines for that one. It's a good call. Let him deal. Yeah. Oh, poor Ethan. He's doing education and that. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Poor Ethan. It sucks, sucks being the uh, the low man at the totem pole over over at the uh, the bulletin right now. We'll see who, what youngin you bring in next to, uh, for Ethan to haze. And he's all he's incapable of hazing. He is sort of like the black lab of our office. He's always happy. He's the cheeriest person. He, I try to hope that'll rub off on me a bit, but nothing can upset Ethan. Nothing. No, no, they, I, I bring out the most craziest ideas. He's, well, I don't know if that's true, AJ. I'm like, oh, okay, why? <laughs> yes, he's very thoughtful. Awesome. So, 
NewHampshireBulletin.com if you want to get more from Ethan Amory and a to-be-determined individual that hopefully will be hired soon. So if uh, you're looking for a gig, maybe uh, check them out over there. They're already interviewing people and um, keeping uh, Dana busy over there as the editor-in-chief. So happy to see you guys still sticking around for another year and uh, excited to see what happens. Me too, and I'm looking forward to another year of episodes. Me too. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them and NHTalkRadio.com to get more from me over here at WKXL. Uh, Thanks so much for joining me, Emery. Thank you. New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kearsett. Talk to you next week.